Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is absolutely essential that we have a growing lifestyle of prayer. Through prayer, we have the wonderful privilege of inviting Jesus into every aspect and circumstance of our lives. Everything we do in this life will be meaningfully better and more fulfilling if Jesus is a part of it. Do you have a lifestyle of inviting Jesus into your day-to-day -day activities and circumstances? Let's open our Bible now and continue to look at this incredible blessing and privilege of being praying disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Friday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus and growing to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, we're, I believe this is teaching seven now in, the, uh, in, the, in this series, A Disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, today is going to be a part two of prayer. Um, it's just been... Uh, it's just been, it really has been wonderful. I mean, it's been a blessing in studying and preparing for this uh, this series. Um, as I've said before, I hadn't done really any topical teaching for the most part. I had done one topical teaching over the last, uh, you know, uh, you know, golly, four years. Um, normally we do expository, which is, as I said, where, you know, where I would teach through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, by verse, by verse, or I would teach through a particular account, verse by verse, by verse, by verse. Um, and so this has been, uh, it's been something different. And, uh, you know, uh, when I started this, I didn't know if it'd be something I would, I would like or enjoy. Um, cause it was, uh, it was different, but I really have, I really have enjoyed, you know, the different kind of, uh, research, the, the different kind of study. Um, and so thank you, Lord Jesus. Hopefully y'all are enjoying the teachings. Um, and so again, yeah, today's going to be part two of prayer. And again, prayer, uh, is to say it's essential in the life of the of the disciple doesn't do it justice. Prayer is one of the greatest privileges that we have really after spending time in the word of God, after the privilege of having our Bible, prayer is the next greatest privilege. And I do put prayer second to the word of God. It is, it is absolutely essential, but uh, you know, the word of God, when you spend time in the word of God, in the Bible, you're reading and studying and learning and receiving God's words to you. You're receiving Jesus's words to you. And now when we pray, we're obviously communicating in prayer, we're obviously communicating our heart and our words to him. Okay. Um, and again, that's extremely important. It's how relationship flows. It's, it's an essential part of growing to know him and walk with him is to communicate with him in prayer. But it, it should stand to reason that his words to us are certainly more important than our words to him. And again, I'm not in any way minimizing prayer. Again, prayer is is essential. It's it's throughout the Bible, um, and it's absolutely imperative that we grow in our prayer life if we're to be if we're to be growing disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, so, Father, we do thank you for your word. 
We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for prayer, Father. I, I thank you that I get to, to open these teachings in prayer, that I get to close these teachings in prayer. I thank you, Lord, that although it's, what, 6.34 in the morning, I've already had, uh, you know, uh, meaningful times of, of prayer this morning already, Lord, and, uh, and praise and thanksgiving. Father, we just thank you for this, this incredible gift of prayer that we have. But Father, above all, as always, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on the cross that, that we deserve to die. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're alive and risen and we worship you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can, we can have time in prayer to you, as well as prayer to our Heavenly Father, prayer to you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray now to you that you would give us eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that understand as we open your word and continue this study in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, so again, uh, this is part seven, I believe, in uh, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, or the series is called A Disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, again, I'm going to read Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Okay, Jesus speaking. It says in verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, he is the boss of everything, not only on earth, but in heaven. Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So again, um, Jesus has commanded us to obviously make disciples um, but we can't make disciples until first we ourselves become a disciple of Jesus Christ. We've said that a disciple is a disciplined follower of Jesus, right, May? Someone who has a lifestyle of, of, of day by day, week by week, month by month, throughout their day of spending time with Jesus, of growing to know Jesus, spending time in the scriptures daily, and spending time throughout your day in prayer, okay? Um, you know, every day of your life, you ought to be in prayer to God the Father, to God the Son Jesus, and to God the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, be free to pray to each member of the Holy Trinity, just as we would praise each member of the Holy Trinity. Again, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're all omniscient, which means they all know everything. If they know everything, that means they can't learn anything, right, Corinne? Um, they're all omnipotent. That means they're all all-powerful, Scott, right? That means they can do anything. There's nothing they can't do, right? And they're all omnipresent, okay? That means they're everywhere at all times. They're outside of time, right? Um, uh, which again is, is mind-blowing in itself, which means every moment in all eternity is like an eternal present to them. Wow. Except when Jesus, God the Son, became a man and took on human flesh for 33 and a half years. 
and entered into time on our behalf, right? Golly, that's good. Wow. Um, and so, um, again, it, it's a tr- we have a triune God, one being, right? But three distinct, separate individual persons. Um, as I've said before, I'm one being, you're one being, we're a human being, that's what we are, right? But we're also one person, right? Um, I'm John, that's my person. My wife is May, that's her one person. Um, Our God is so immense beyond comprehension that he too is one being, one God, but he's actually three distinct, separate individual persons. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And again, we we ought to be in prayer. We ought to be in conversation with, with each of them. In Jesus Christ, we have this incredible privilege of relationship with each member of the Trinity. In Jesus, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're trusting and relying on Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, then God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King and and Husband. You're part of the Bride of Christ, the Body of Christ. Uh, God, the Holy Spirit, is your guide, your counselor, and your comforter. Um, and so, again, we, we, we want to be in prayer throughout our waking hours every day. Um, and again, as I said last time, it doesn't have to be for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes at a time. All that's wonderful. But even prayer for 30 seconds, for 15 seconds, just to, to pray throughout your day. Remember, we talked about... What is it? First uh, Thessalonians five. Um, what is it? Verse seventeen. Yeah, five seventeen says, "Pray continually." Okay. So again, that doesn't mean you're praying every moment, every second of every minute of every hour of every day that you're awake, right? But just pray continually. Again, First Thessalonians five seventeen. Right. Um, obviously, one of the shortest scriptures in the Bible. Right. Um, it goes along with. Uh, you know, remember in John 11, where it says Jesus wept. Okay. Here it's pray continually. The shortest scripture in the Bible, pray continually. Okay. The other version is three ver- words. It, it translates it pray without ceasing means the same thing, right? Um, so you ought to be continually, you know, you know, in prayer. So again, um, so again, that can be for for ten seconds, right? You could be you could be in your car, you could be going somewhere, and you can just you can just pray and say, you know, Father, I I I you know I, I ask you to you know just to to draw me closer to you now in the name of Jesus, right? And that's that's just prayer, right? Um, so again, we we want to be in an attitude of prayer throughout our day. All right, all right. So today we're going to pick up in. Uh, in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, okay? 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is an extremely well-known scripture. Um, and again, you can see it, 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 it has, it has several things it hinges on. Okay. But it begins with, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. 
So again, in prayer, we ought to we ought to have Nathan right a disposition of genuine humility. Okay, we humble ourselves before our heavenly Father. We humble ourselves before Jesus. We humble ourselves before the Holy Spirit, knowing that you know that 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 without Jesus, we can't even approach God. Right. So in prayer. There ought to be a disposition of humility. Now, now praying on our knees, as I've said before, is a good thing. Uh, every one of us ought to have some type of lifestyle, some of getting down on our knees. You know, say, you know, you know, I generally get down on my knees at least once a day in prayer. Uh, generally, it's at night um, before I go to bed. Actually, every night before I go to bed, I get down on my knees. Um, and I pray. And again, it's a prayer for a couple of minutes, um, you know, sometimes a minute, sometimes two minutes. And I'm committing my whole spirit, soul and body into the hands of uh, of my heavenly father as I sleep. I actually learned that from uh, from Charles Spurgeon, you know, and I'm paraphrasing who said something to the effect that, you know, he thought it to be, you know, uh, you know, almost ludicrous that someone would go to bed at night and not commit themselves into the hands of God in prayer, right? And so I had learned that from him, I don't know, 10 or 15, 20 years ago. Mm. Charles Spurgeon was a, uh, you know, one of the great, one of the greatest preachers of all time and teachers of the word of God, um, you know, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, you know, uh, really every night before I go to sleep, um, I get down on my knees in prayer. And so, again, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. So uh, really the Lord is most concerned with, with more the position of our heart, of course, and our mind in prayer than of our body, right? Um, so more important than getting down on our knees is that we, we've humbled ourselves in our heart and in our mind before Jesus, Right. Um, but again, I don't want to nominalize it because, you know, C.S. Lewis said that we're animals and what our bodies do affects our soul. So again, when you get down physically on your knees, that's an aid in helping you to, to humble yourself. And I've said this before, uh, to parents who have young children, um, you know, and again, I don't know what young is, but let's say all the way up time to maybe they're 12 years old, right? From the time they're like two uh, to almost 12 years old. I mean, uh, you know, it would be good to have a, a practice of getting down on your knees with your children, perhaps before they go to bed. And, and so your children can see you down on your knees with them, you know, in a, in a posture of humility, praying to Jesus before they go to sleep or maybe when they get when they wake up or at some time during the day. It's just a good practice for parents to get down on their knees and pray with their children. So again, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Okay. So in prayer, we're seeking the face of our heavenly father. We're seeking the face of Jesus. We're seeking the face of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's interesting. You notice it didn't say there, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my hand. Right? Right, Uncle Dennis? Um, you know, so much of our prayer, right? Really the vast majority of our prayer, Nathan, um, 
is in, you know, seeking the hand of God, right? Meaning we're, we're asking for things and I'm, uh, you know, on behalf of ourselves and others. And certainly that is something that, that, that we ought to be doing, right? In prayer, we are asking our heavenly father for things, but, but he says here, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Um, in prayer, we ought to just be seeking deeper and more intimate relationship. In you know, so so we want to have conversational prayer. Again, most of us as as believers, if we were to examine our prayer life, and we ought to do it, you know, we would see that you know, generally, just whatever times we're praying, we're we're asking for things, right? We're we're asking for you know for healing, or we're asking for different blessings, we're asking for deliverance for something, um, we're asking for the Lord to handle our problems, and and again, that's a good thing. We do need to do that. But we ought to, we really want to develop a prayer life where we're seeking not only God's hand, but, but seeking his face, right? We want to grow to know Jesus. We ought to be seeking his face and just seeking deeper intimacy with him, deeper, deeper relationship with him, right? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, okay? So again, in prayer, we ought to be asking the Lord to help us as part of our asking. In prayer, we ought to be asking him to help us to turn from whatever sin is in our life, to help us to repent. And repentance ought to be a part of our prayer life. We're actually going to do an entire teaching um, here in the next few teachings on repentance, okay? But, you know, in our prayer life, there, there ought to come up before the Lord times of repentance, okay? This is something I'm doing um, generally daily. You know, I'll have areas of, of repentance. I'll just, I'll catch myself in, in different, in a different thought process or just in, a, in an agitation and an irritation, or I'll, I'll have a critical heart over something, um, you know, whatever it may be. But I, there's just, we, we repent over, over ungodly thoughts, certainly over ungodly words and over ungodly actions or, or deeds, right? Uh, there are times where I just act impatiently. It's something I'm, I'm seeking the Lord to, to, to work on and, man, my progress is slow, but I'm consistently having to repent over times of, of, uh, of impatience. Um, and so if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So, there are countless benefits to, to prayer. The biggest one, again, is we grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. But we see here that, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a humility, in humility, when we have a, a prayer life that's done in, in, in proper humility before our Heavenly Father, um, you know, with a heart to walk rightly and uprightly before him, it says that, you know, uh, not only does he hear, um, but, but, you know, it'll bring, it'll bring healing into our life, healing even over sins and mistakes that we've done. And uh, I mean, that, that ought to be something every one of us genuinely desires, right? All right. So let's turn to 1 John 5, verse 14. 1 John 5, 14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, <clears throat> whatever we ask, 
we know that we have what we asked of him. So, so now we're talking about, you know, when we pray, you know, obviously we don't, we don't always get right. Kristen, what we want, rarely do we get what we're asking for right away. Okay. Um, Sometimes, you know, there, there are times in my life, but it's, it seems rare that when I'll pray for something and then immediately it happens, but that has happened. <laughs> Those are exciting times. And frankly, I wish it would happen more, but obviously, you know, Jesus knows what's best in the timing of answering our prayers. Um, but it says here that if we, that, that we have confidence in approaching him, that when we pray and we ask anything according to his will, not only does he hear us, but we know that that we we have what we asked of him. So we talked about the primary way, the the foundational, most important way of growing as a disciple of Jesus is is spending time in the Word of God. It's in the Word of God that we increasingly learn what His will is, you know, for our life. So in prayer, we ought to be praying in line with the Scriptures, okay, in line with the obvious revealed will of God for our lives and for others in the scriptures. So not only when you're praying for yourself, but when you're praying for others, you ought to consistently being, be praying scriptural prayers, okay? Uh, praying that they would come to know Jesus if they don't know him, anyone in your life, right? Um, praying that, that they would come to walk with Jesus more deeply, more intimately, more obediently, um, and so forth. So again, our prayer life ought to be filled with praying for things that we know to be the clear will of God in our lives. And when something, if we're not sure, obviously in prayer, we go to him, right? As James 1 says, um, and we'll turn there now, just go ahead and go to James 1. Let me see if I have it here. Um, James chapter 1. James 1 says, <clears throat> verse 5, is that if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Okay? So again, how about those times where, where we lack understanding, or we don't know what the will of God is, or we're trying to pursue you know, and, and get an understanding of what our Heavenly Father has for us. Okay, okay. James 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, <clears throat> who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Okay, so again, we can approach God with confidence, okay? Um, <clears throat> we approach the throne of grace, again, remember Hebrews 4.16, Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. If you're in Jesus Christ today, again, if you're trusting and relying on Jesus alone, if you're clinging to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul and to go to heaven when you die, you are a child of your heavenly father and you can go confidently, boldly in prayer to your heavenly father, to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if you don't understand something, again, James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. 
Okay, so we ought to consistently be be pursuing God, be pursuing our heavenly Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit to gain understanding and insight into 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 all the various aspects of our lives that that we don't know the will of God. Okay, but now look at verse six, James one verse six. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So again, when you go in prayer, go boldly. When you're asking for wisdom and insight, go boldly before your heavenly Father. And, and, And you know, you need not doubt he does hear you, and, and his heart is to give you wisdom and to answer that prayer. And, and again, he will answer that prayer. Now, again, uh, I, I don't know. I've never heard an audible voice, okay, an audible answer from, from my Heavenly Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Um, but, you know, as you, as you go along, you'll see that the path will be made clear to you, okay? But we want to consistently press in in prayer, Okay. Um, sometimes we have to continue to ask and continue to press in. Again, look at Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Okay, We ought to consistently be pressing in in prayer. Look at Matthew 7, verse 1. Matthew 7, verse 1. I'm turning there, okay? Actually, I'm going to start in verse 7. Matthew 7, verse 7, okay? Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened, okay? So really what this is saying is you want to keep asking, Keep seeking, keep knocking, right? Continue to press in, okay? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking on the door in prayer and it will be open to you. So again, we wanna be persistent in our prayer life, okay? Again, um, it's not a religious exercise, but it is something we want to be persistent in. All right. Um, All right, look at Romans 12, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. And we'll do verse 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul speaking, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So again, um, to know the will of God, we need to have our minds transformed, right? We need to have our minds renewed, okay? Uh, We have our minds renewed by spending time in the word of God and spending time in prayer, okay? The more time we spend in prayer, the more time we spend in in pursuing that intimacy and that relationship and seeking, again, uh, not only the hand of our Heavenly Father, but His face as well, um, the more we're having our mind renewed, right? The more you have your, your mind 
on Jesus, the, the, the more your, your, your mind will be renewed, the more you'll have peace. <clears throat> look, at, uh, look at Isaiah, I believe it's 26.3. Again, I didn't have any of these verses, you know, I didn't have these verses uh, in my notes, so Stephen is having to rush to put him in here. I believe it's Isaiah 26.3. This is a good verse right here. Golly, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Wow. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. The other version says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So again, as we have our mind on Jesus, as we're praying to Jesus, our mind is being transformed. And in as much, Romans 12, 2 says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So again, just in the habit of prayer, right? And, and again, you ought to be getting the excitement of this because when you're done listening to this, you can go off and just start praying. And, and again, you're being transformed in prayer. You're, you're going to get a deeper understanding and of who, a deeper intimacy and understanding of who Jesus is um, and, and, a, and, a, and a clear, deeper understanding of what his will for your life is in, in all the various you know, circumstances and situations. Wow. All right. Look at Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Okay. Again, there ought to be a faithfulness to your prayer life. There ought to be a discipline to your prayer life. You ought to be praying for not only yourself throughout the day, but others throughout the day, faithful in prayer. All right. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. These are big right here. All right. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. <clears throat> Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So you see that? Most of us would say that we are consistently anxious. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. Again, I, I do confess, Father, and I ask you to forgive me for just the, the different times of anxiety and fear and unrest in my heart. The word of God says to not be anxious about anything, Esther. You see that, Becky? Do not be anxious about anything. Susan, do not be anxious about anything. Pop, do not be anxious about anything. Rap, do not be anxious about anything. Again, um, the scripture commands us not to be anxious Jesus told us, remember in Matthew 6, do not worry, doesn't help you at all, right? It only harms us. And yet, how many of us as Christians actually have really ever obeyed this command to do not be anxious about anything? It's, it's, it's remarkable, right, Lauren? I mean, it's something that's just, uh, it seems almost impossible. But how is it possible? By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and we have to do this faithfully. So again, Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, for he trusts in you, or my, whose mind is steadfastly on you, right? Um, and so again, the key to anxiety, the absolute key 
to doing away with anxiety and fear is a growing and faithful prayer life. Wow. And again, it's hard. Look at Matthew 26, 40 and 41. Um, Jesus is at the end of his life and, uh, you know, he's praying himself and he asks his disciples to, to pray and to pray for him and pray for themselves. And look at Matthew 26, 40 and 41. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Verse 41, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Again, prayer helps us to not fall into different types of sin, right? The more we are in prayer, the more we are seeking our heavenly father and the Holy Spirit in Jesus, um, the more it will help us to walk an upright and holy life, the more it will keep us from various kinds of sin in our life. Now look at Matthew 5, verses 43 and 44. Matthew 5, 43 and 44, Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, <clears throat> that you may be sons of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Wow. Look what we have here. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Part of our prayer life as disciples of Jesus Christ ought to be praying for those who mistreat us. You know, now again, uh, seriously, I mean, I mean, how many of us have ever really learned to do this? Some of us as Christians have gotten to a point where we certainly will, will throw up a prayer. But I, I don't know if there's a prayer that I need to practice more than this. Again, I do fairly consistently pray for those who are contrary to me, um, you know, who have been disrespectful, who have been insulting, who have persecuted me, who haven't treated me in the right light, who have misjudged my heart. Uh, but, you know, uh, I confess I do it. I do it out of a discipline. You know, sometimes, though, as I am praying for them, you know, I can see my heart begin to warm for them. I can see the fact that that forgiveness really begins to grow in my heart, the, the experience of forgiveness. We're commanded to forgive whether we feel it or not. But the more we pray for those, we earnestly intercede for those who persecute us, who mistreat us, who disrespect us, who, you know, who don't believe us, who are contrary to us, um, you know, who are selfish toward us. The, the, the more our hearts will warm from them. Never are we more like this, right? Never really are we more like Jesus, right? We were, we, when Jesus gave his life for us on the cross, and even today, but Jesus died for a, uh, just a sinful people. You know, we, we are, you know, before and even after the cross, right? We are still people who, who often live in a lifestyle of disobedience and sin, um, and, and it's, you know, when we're praying for those, right? You remember when Jesus was, was hanging on the cross and he cries out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. 
and they were they were insulting him while he was hanging on the cross. They were mocking him. And yet he says, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. When we pray for those that are contrary to us, again, that are disrespectful to us, that are hateful to us, that are uh, selfish toward us, that use us, um, that don't understand us, um, that speak to us in, in harsh ways, that uh, when we pray for those that don't appreciate us, um, again, you'll, you'll begin to experience uh, your heart begin to be more and more for those people. You'll begin to get an understanding. You'll begin to get insight uh, from your father and, and you'll, you'll begin to, you know, to, to love them, right? Um, again, Matthew 5, 43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And again, as I've experienced this Again, and your enemy here is just, again, whoever's contrary to you or persecuting you or disrespecting you or not appreciating you or being selfish towards you, right? It's just just people in our lives that, you know, that don't believe in us, that are harsh toward us, uh, that are disagreeable toward us. Um, in order to love them, really, we need to, to, to pray for them and not to pray insincere prayers. We can't pray from a self-righteous position. Okay, um, like we got it all together and they're just terrible, um, you know, and, and that, that's an area of repentance for us right there. Um, as Christians, particularly as Christian leaders, you know, we tend to have, you know, such a uh, I mean, again, it can grow to be a hubris that we really firmly believe that, you know, we're in line with everything. But, you know, we just need to pray for those those people over there. Now, again, certainly there are things revealed in Scripture, and if someone's not not walking according to Scripture, we want to be in prayer for that. But we want to make sure that again, there's the, that the prayer is done in humility, knowing that we ourselves, right, have, you know, uh, you know, have have uh, have issues in our own life, right? Remember when Jesus said, you know, why do you, why do you look at this, you know, the speck in your brother's eye while you have a log in your own eye? First, you know, get the log out of your own eye, then you'll be able to see clearly to help your brother with the speck in his eye. Part of my prayer life has consistently been to, to get the, uh, you know, uh, to get the, the, the log out of my own eye that I might better minister to my brothers and, and sisters in Christ, right? Um, so yeah, let's turn there. Uh, Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7, I believe. Um, yeah, Matthew 7, verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Part of my prayer life over this last year has been, Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me today to get the, the log out of my own eye or the plank out of my own eye, that I will see more clearly, you know, to serve my brothers and sisters in Christ with the, you know, with the issues that they have. And you notice there that Jesus expects us to look at 
at the issues in our own life, the things that are out of place or sinful or wrong in our own life, we need to view those as a, as a log or a plank. And, you know, and those in our brothers and sisters life, we need to, to view as a speck. So again, it's just a perspective, right? We tend to view uh, the things in our own life that are not in line as the small things, the speck, and the things that are out of place in, in other people's lives as the log or the plank. But Jesus says it ought to be flipped. And so again, as a part of our prayer life, as a part of my prayer life, uh, you know, throughout this last year, you know, I, I was praying, you know, uh, and, I, and I need to continue to pray this. You know, we need to pray this early in the morning, right? May Holy Spirit help us this day to get the log out of our own eye, to have a proper perspective that we may see clearly, that we may better see clearly to help our brothers and sisters in Christ and minister to our brothers and sisters in Christ with what's going on in their life, right? Wow. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. And so finally, you know, we're going to end this now with this famous prayer here in Matthew 6, verses, you know, 9 to nine to 14, okay? Um, well, we'll do, yeah, 9 to nine to 13, okay? Um, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. This is the famous prayer, right, where Jesus' disciples say, teach us to pray. Um, and Jesus in uh, verse 9 says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, it's a famous prayer. Um, it's called the Lord's Prayer. Um, Catholics call it the Our Father. Um, and it is undoubtedly the most famous prayer in history. I pray it every day. Um, but when I pray it, I'm thinking about different parts of it, okay? I've been thinking about the daily bread part a lot lately. I forget who I learned it from. It might have been C.S. Lewis. It might have been uh, G.K. Chesterton. Um, but um, this part of give us today our daily bread, every day I've been praying for my daily bread, and I've been praying this for others as well, but I've been asking for my daily bread of grace and mercy and peace and strength and courage, uh, and favor, and blessing, that I might better deal with, you know, the struggles, and hardships, and trials, and difficulties, and persecutions, um, and, and sufferings, and fears, and anxieties that should come my way, right? So when you, when you, when you think about this prayer, it's good to pray it, you know, as it's written, right? Um, Again, it's, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, for those who are, who are part of the Catholic Church, you know, it, it's, it's a prayer that, that you repeat over and over and over and over. But, um, you know, remember in verse 8, if you, if you just back up one verse. So, by the way, we get this verse, Scott, right? Um, the, the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer that you've been praying your whole life. Scott has been asking me to, you know, to, to fill in the details more. Um, and again, sometime mid-year, we're going to do some basic teaching. But, you know, the prayer of the, uh, 
the, the Lord's Prayer comes from, or the Our Father, as Catholics call it, um, from the two, first two words of the prayer. Um, it comes from Matthew 6, again, 9 to 13. So if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, um, turn to chapter 6, verses 9 to 13 is where we get this, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Um, and, you know, so as, as the Catholics will pray this, and, and they'll repeat the words over and over and over and over and over. Now, what's important is, if you look at verse 8, um, um, actually verse 7, and uh, you know, if you just go up two verses before Jesus teaches them to pray, he says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray, our father in heaven. And then he goes into it. So just try to understand what he said there. Right, Scott? Do not think, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So the goal is not just to keep saying this prayer, right? And it'll be funny but certainly the Catholics will understand what I'm saying, right? Sometimes, right, we'll just uh, we'll just we'll just go rapid fire through this prayer and say it as fast as we can, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. And amen. Our Father who art in heaven. Uh, that's that's not a joke, right? Um, and, <laughs> and and so we're, we somehow believe that it's the amount of times that we just say these words. We're not thinking about anything when we say it, right? We're just saying words. And so the words are incredible. So again, I say this every day, generally multiple times, but, but I'm thinking about the words. So when you're to use this prayer is a good prayer to use in your life, but think about the words when you say them and slow down. It's not the amount, it's not the quantity of times that you say it that matters. It's the quality of it. Okay. It'd be better to say it one time with quality than a thousand times just babbling the words, okay? <laughs> our Heavenly Father is not impressed with our many words. Again, just, again, that's Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Look at Matthew 6, verse 7. So before Jesus teaches us to pray this prayer, he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words, okay? So it's not... It's not how many times you you say these words of this prayer of the Lord's prayer or the Our Father. It's the it's the quality in which we say it. So again, let's think about the words. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You notice when you start praying, this is a model for prayer Jesus has given us. You notice that he didn't just start Jesus taught us don't just just move into prayer just asking for stuff. When we come to our Father in prayer, begin with, with praising him and worshiping him. Hallowed be thy name. Father, we praise you, we thank you, and we worship you. Holy is your name. When we come to God in prayer, let's begin our prayer time not just, not just asking for stuff, 
but but praising him and thanking him and thanking him for what we've already received, right? Um, again, most of us in our prayer just move right into thanking him for, uh, right into asking him for things, right? So we see in the model that 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 we begin to praise him. Hallowed be thy name. Holy are you, Father. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you, Father. And again, we're going to do separate teachings on on. Uh, on praise and worship and thanksgiving. Actually, that's going to be the next teaching, um, praise and worship and thanksgiving. And then the one after that should be on, uh, on repentance. All right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now notice we still haven't asked for anything, but the next part of the prayer is asking that his kingdom would come in our life and his will would be done. Basically, Father, before I ask you for anything, I do pray that your kingdom would come in my life today, that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven would, would come in and enter into my life this day and that your will would be done. Father, I'm going to be praying for things, but before I ask you for anything, I want your will to be done in my life ahead of anything I pray for. Okay, All of us should desire for our heavenly father's will to be done in our life above anything we want in our life or anything we pray for. So again, you notice we're, uh, you know, we're, we're 40% through the prayer here and we still haven't asked for anything. And so again, sometimes I'm thinking about these things. Sometimes I'll just, I'll just take a part of this prayer and I'll just meditate on it and think about it and pray just a part of this prayer as we break it apart, right? So again, it's not just about saying the words, it's about thinking about the words, Matthew, okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So again, you're asking your heavenly Father that before I ask you for anything, Father, what I want above all things is for your kingdom to, to come into my life today. I want to walk in your kingdom on this earth today. And I want your will to be done in my life, not my will, right now on earth, even as I know your will is done in heaven. Now, as we go into verse 11, give us today our daily bread. You notice it says, give us today our daily bread. Jesus is teaching us to pray every day. Okay, we ought to be in prayer daily. Give us today our daily bread. Um, again, the implication is you're praying today. And again, so now is the time to begin to ask for things, okay? Um, and to pray, you know, for the things in your own life and to pray on behalf of others. And you notice it's a daily thing. Give us today. He didn't say, give us tomorrow. Give us today. You ought to be praying every day. And again, when you're praying for your daily bread, just don't pray for your, your physical desires and needs and wants, but pray for your spiritual needs. Father, again, I ask for my daily bread of grace and mercy and peace and strength and courage and favor and comfort and forgiveness, Father. Um, you, you know, the spiritual daily bread is better than the, the physical, right? Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So again, this is a daily thing. Father, I do, again, ask you to forgive me and help me to walk in forgiveness toward others. Again, there is nothing more important in our life than forgiving others. We have been forgiven an immense debt by Jesus at the cross of Christ. Our sin is far greater than we can understand. So again, we need to have a lifestyle of forgiving others. And in our prayer life, you know, we need to ask him to help us. If you, if you have unforgiveness in your life toward anyone, part of your daily prayer life needs to be asking the Lord to help you 
in forgiveness. And now whether you feel like it or not, you need to act in a forgiving way toward that person. Okay. I'm not saying it's easy. I know horrible things have been done, but forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is how Jesus is teaching us to pray. So again, we, we ought to have a lifestyle. So when you see this, you don't just puppet the words. You think of people you're irritated with or frustrated with or haven't forgiven. And you just, you go before your father and say, Father, I do forgive them. And I ask you to help me to have my heart toward them, Father. I pray that my forgiveness would really work itself out in my actions. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, what are you praying for here? We don't do well in temptation. Father, I don't do very well when I'm tempted. So, so I ask you, Lord, to just keep me from temptation today. I'll often pray this, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the devil, right? Father, I ask you to keep the devil and all demons far from me today. I pray holy angels around me today. I ask you to rebuke the devourer and all that's of him from me, Father. I pray a hedge of protection around me today. And Father, I ask you to keep the evil that lives in me far from me today. These are prayers I pray every day based on this model of prayer, okay? And then the prayer ends as it begins, right? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You noticed you begin you began the prayer by praising and worshiping and thanking your heavenly Father. Uh, before you even ask for anything, and then you end the prayer, okay? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So the prayer begins with praise and thanksgiving and worship and adoration, and, and it ought to end that way. So again, we have a model of prayer here. And so again, uh, as we wrap up, uh, in prayer, you want to invite Jesus into all things, okay? Into every aspect of your life in prayer, you want to make Jesus a part of it. You want to invite him into every, all the details of your life. Invite him into different meetings you're going to, right, Nathan? Um, if you're in the car and you're headed somewhere or you have an appointment or a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment or you're going to, to meet someone, you want Jesus to be a part of it. We ought to consistently be inviting Jesus in prayer into every aspect of our lives, right? Um, again, you want Jesus to be a part of everything. So again, in prayer, ask Jesus to come into, ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Um, Holy Spirit, I invite you into this appointment now. I invite you into this dentist appointment. I invite you into this meeting at work. I invite you into this job interview. Whatever you're doing throughout the day, make your heavenly Father in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Invite them into it. Ask them to be a part of it. And again, you will grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Father, again, we thank you for this incredible privilege we have in prayer, Father. Father, I ask you to forgive us where we were, we're anxious. I ask you to help us to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving to present our request to you, Father, that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I do ask you to help us in the name of Jesus to humble ourselves and pray and to seek your face and to turn from our wicked ways. For you, you, you promise, Father, that then will you hear from heaven and will forgive our sin and, and heal our land 
Father, we do pray for, for our country. We do pray for every, every country in the world, Father. I, we do pray that, that all would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Father, above all, above all, Father, I pray that Jesus would come. I pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Establish your rule and reign here on earth right now. We ask you to come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts. Give us eyes that see Jesus, ears that, that hear him, hearts to pray unto him. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.